It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on the natural products and organic remedies to a variety of ailments. Four stores to serve you in East Tennessee, including the store in Knoxville on Kingston Pike, right across from Trader Joe's. And of course, they've got their three Sevier County locations, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, Sevierville. That's Smoky Mountain Organics. Check them out online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. With Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us. Plenty to get to in this podcast. We're going to start on the hoop side of things, where Tennessee takes on South Carolina uh, tonight at Thompson Bowling Arena. The Gamecocks coming off a 72-70 win over Vanderbilt. They're 1-1 one one in SEC play with a home loss to Auburn and a two-point win over Vandy. Tennessee, as we know, has their um, – has their struggles going on right now. They lose at Baton Rouge with a, against a good LSU team. Uh, struggled against Ole Miss. Not a good week of basketball last week for Tennessee. Uh, Rob, let, let's just start with the importance of the game tonight. I, it's January 10th, you know, must wins or overblown phrases, but this does feel like a significant game for Tennessee tonight. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I would start off by saying I'm also not the sky's falling crowd. I mean, Tennessee hasn't looked great by any means that they've lost two teams on the road or two games on the road to ranked teams. I mean, they, they look bad against LSU. I wouldn't, I don't think they look ready to play. I mean, I get my fans are upset, but you know, the team that won 31 games and was ranked number one for four weeks, three or four years ago, lost at LSU, got hammered at Kentucky. I mean, this too often there's a football mentality from a fan base that's brought to basketball. That being said, they need to win this one tonight. South Carolina is not good. I mean, they've got – you go look, they've got some ugly losses. I know that they, they lost to Princeton. I think they lost at home to Coastal Carolina in the non-conference. I mean, this is this is one that you've got to get, in, especially in what is shaping up to me to be a highly, highly competitive Southeastern Conference. I mean, Tennessee's – not only did they, they did the win, however, but they, they've, got to, they've got to fix some things. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, the record aside and, and stepping aside from, from the record, because I mentioned this and, and posted this after the game, I think there were six ranked teams that lost on Saturday. So, I mean, basketball losses happen. I think for this team and for this fan base, it's kind of where this team is and how they're losing. Defense does travel, but, but Rob, Tennessee was the only team in the SEC who didn't score 70 points on Saturday. And I get that you're going to play great defense, but you're not going to win a ton of games in this league, 62 to 60 or 62 to 58. So my question to you is how in the world does this team find offense and score uh, on a consistent basis? I get there'll be nights where the ball is going to go in from the perimeter, but that's not going to be every night. So that's the question we asked back in December. How does this team find points? I mean, they, I don't – they've got to get better inside. And, I, I mean, I hate to pile, pile on the kid, but, I mean, how, how do you have a senior in John Fulkerson that gives you 24 and 10 against Arizona and then three weeks later gets up one, one shot at LSU? I mean, is it COVID? I mean, if it is COVID, you know, I feel terrible. But he's not telling anybody in the program that it's COVID. I mean, he's, he's been asked repeatedly. Like, people in the program would like to hear that, that that's what it is. You know what I mean? It would be like, ooh, well, thank goodness. You know, I'm glad, you know, here, you know, take some rest, take a few days off, you know, pump a bunch of fluids into you. But but he he is not saying that, at least as 
Monday Monday morning, he was not saying that. But I mean, Olivier Camois in SEC play, he, he's averaging twelve and a half points a game. I mean, my goodness, Eurosh. I mean, it's a small sample size, but he's he's getting fifteen minutes a game. He's, he's probably the most productive kid on the team. He's averaging seven points and six rebounds in fifteen minutes. But I mean, they they have to get some they have to get some stuff inside. I mean, they got just beat up in the paint the other day. I mean, I know Euros got 12 points, but that was all – that was – it was a different game in the second half when he got all those points. I mean, it was not an intense affair like it was in the in the first half when, when LSU was kind of establishing control. It, and, it feels like – don't you feel like, Rob, that Fulkerson does not play um, – he has down games when they let you – you know, they, they, they don't call the ticky-tack stuff. Like, part of his game is kind of being crafty and using his body and – throwing it around and, and drawing fouls on the opposing team. I mean, they let him play pretty physical at LSU the other night. Yeah, but I also think, and this is what Rick tells him all the time, he's, he's got to catch it in, in space more, like 12, you know, 12 feet, 12 feet out. And he's not, he's not a guy that's going to, you know, carve space out with a, with a big rump, like a traditional post player. I mean, he, he is so much better when he, when he faces up, he can use, he's got a really good first step. We can use that first step and get into something quick. And I, for whatever reason, I mean, it's just it's just not there. I mean, you would think that the pairing of him and, and Kennedy Chandler would would have been really good, but it's you know it's not really producing a ton of results. I, I still feel like don't you feel like Justin Powell like he he is scared to make a mistake. Like you know, you watch me he he shoots very little. Most of the time, it's just kind of you know, when he gets the ball, it's you know three dribbles and a pass and. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you can say that, but he's not playing right now because he won't shoot. I mean, so, I mean, he that Rick was pretty emphatic after the Ole Miss game that, you know, he pulled Justin because Justin wouldn't take open shots. They ended up, you know, having, having to force something late in the clock. Um, and the one he had shot, shot he's, he's not been hitting them. Nobody's hitting them. Nobody, I mean, nobody – They Tennessee has one player. I mean, it's only three SEC games, but, you know, still, they have one player that's making – 30% or better from three, and that's Santiago at 40%. Nobody – and as a team, they're shooting 26.7%, 13th in the league out of 14 teams. So, so, so Rob, is this just you got to shoot out of it? I mean, I mean, you don't want to – I don't think you want to tell Josiah you can't shoot it, but he's obviously not going to put it on the floor and go to the rim to try to create an offense. It doesn't appear. That's kind of not been his game. Um I mean, is it just keep throwing them up? I mean, they did that against Ole Miss, and, and he made one late that was huge. Okay, but but I mean, wh- what's the answer? <laughs> what's the answer for those guys who are struggling? I mean, I, I asked Coach Barnes, I mean, ask Coach Barnes specifically if it was you know it was Josiah's green light going away. I asked him that on Monday, and and his his state is no. He feels he felt like against LSU that Josiah took some shots and it doesn't take in practice. And I mean that that's kind of his thing. I mean, and he had a, a long quote about it on Saturday after the game that it, as long as guys are taking in rhythm shots, shots that they take in practice, shots that they make in practice, he's got no problem about when they take him the shot clock, you know, whether, you know, what, what the situation is, his, his big thing is take the shots or you're shooting in practice. You know, I thought, I thought Kennedy maybe over the past couple of games has forced a couple from three instead of driving it. Um, Josiah, I, I mean, I've, Honestly, I mean, except for maybe one or two, I don't know that I've really seen him 
take one that I would say is forced. Would you? I mean, I think he's just bricking well, open I mean, threes. Why? Why would he have a forced shot? Because the scout on him right now is don't go out. Yeah. I mean, don't just let him shoot it. Uh, and, and and I'm not trying to be. I'm not critical, but right now, right now, the scout for Tennessee to me is very easy. Okay, don't let don't let Kennedy try to not let Kennedy Chandler get downhill. Okay and force Tennessee to swing it. And, and if they swing it over in the corner to Josiah, let him shoot it. We're not, we're not worried about that. Guard Vestovi, and then we'll take our chances with somebody else. I mean, and, and again, I don't, I don't want to be that ugly pylon guy, but I mentioned this Saturday night. At times it feels like Olivier is better facing the basket than Josiah is right now. His shot looks better. Um, he's more assertive on offense. He looks as athletic as Josiah looks at times out there on the offensive end of the floor. He can't guard defensively out there. Um, but they just they just seem like a real mess on offense. Just no, a hot I agree. mess. I, mean, I agree. And, and I'm, I mean, to add to your point on Olivier, I think he's getting better and better and more confident and more confident. In Monday's practice, you know, they did some stuff and they worked on the scout, but they played they, about 45 or 50 minutes. They just went five on five up and down. And Olivier was the best player on the floor offensively. In my, and, and it wasn't particularly close. Um, Santiago, Santiago was good. Kennedy was good. And I mean, those three guys, and, and if you kind of look at the stats and SEC play, that's Monday's practice, you know, kind of reflects that. Well, and, and you know, tonight that it's not going to be easy to score. I mean, but because that's the one thing South Carolina will do. They, they don't put it in the basket very well, but they're going to get physical. They're going to challenge you. If it's, as Austin mentioned earlier, if it's not a quick whistle tonight and it gets really rough and physical, how does Tennessee handle that? Because because I thought LSU shoved them around. I, I thought LSU yeah, was I, the, the more physical I, I think team a, by far. I think a bunch of teams are going to be able to do that. I mean, I think L, the LSU game was the first time I really thought that a, a team made Tennessee pay for Rick playing that small lineup. Yes, I mean, I thought I, they beat them up. I mean, 18-second chance points, they, they – outsquirted with the paint and and I thought you know I, I thought Rick Rick's second half minutes displayed that because Zakai didn't play Zakai played very little in that second half. Now I don't think every team can do that, but LSU's long and and athletic enough to where I, I think they really made Tennessee pay. Um against South Carolina, I mean you're gonna have to be really efficient on offense because they'll ugly it up. Like you said, I mean, you know, they're not they're not a great team by any means, but th- those guys are going to play hard for Frank Martin. They will make it. They'll make it very physical on that end of the floor. To AP's point, if it's not, if it's called, you know, if, they, if it's one of those let them play games, then I think Tennessee is going to have to be very crisp in what they do. Kennedy's going to have to get into the paint, make things happen. And as good as as much as I love Kennedy, he's got to, he's got to take care of the ball. And SEC play, he, he's got eleven turnovers. He's played two games. He's got eleven turnovers. He's got to clean that up. Um because he's going to be on the floor for 35 minutes most nights, and you can't have him turning it over like that. Yeah, he just over-dribbles at times. I mean, he, he, he dribbles like he's playing in an AAU game where he can dribble through the entire defense, and you can't, you can't do that at this level. So, so let me ask this as we get ready to wrap up some hoops here, and we'll talk some football and talk some transfer portal stuff and other things uh, here on, on the podcast. But I know Rick Barnes is about defense and defense only, do you have to look at sacrificing a little bit defensively for more offense because you're going to have to score more points to have a chance to win some games? 
or, or, or do you think that it's going to be we're going to do everything we can to keep the game in the 60s and give ourselves a chance, which I think is really hard to do in this league. Yeah, I agree, but I mean, based off the last couple of practices that I have seen, the guys that everybody wants to see play, namely Justin Powell and, and Huntley Atfield, they're not they're not putting up numbers in practice. I mean, they're not the guy who is going to play more is not going to excite a lot of people offensively. Jamai Meshack is getting ready to get steady minutes. And, you know, I'm not – and, again, I've, you go back and read anything I've written since November. I've, I've been a staunch advocate for Powell and Huntley Hatfield to play more. And maybe, you know, they, they've lost confidence or something. But right now, if you were able to go and watch practice, you would not be jumping up on a milk cart, milk cart and clamoring for those guys to play more. Be interesting to see if this team can score and, and how they can find some, some points um, because they need they need a shot in the arm offensively. Um, nothing feels easy in the half court at all for this team. So uh, can they do that? Tennessee is two and four this season when they score less than 70 points. That appears to be uh, the magic number for Tennessee. We'll see if they can get to that point on Tuesday night as Tennessee host or later tonight as Tennessee host uh, South Carolina in a key SEC game. Kentucky coming up on Saturday in Lexington, that's not going to get any easier. And, Rob, it feels like all – I don't, I don't want to say they're going to run away with this league because the league's not a runaway league, but um, Auburn's, Auburn's really good. Yeah, I had a chance to, you know, while after Tennessee got done Saturday night to watch most, most of the second half, and I'm, I was impressed. They're, they're, they're going to be tough to beat. I mean, again, I'm with you, and they're not going to run away with it. And, a lot changes, you know, what's going to happen with injuries. But a month ago, I thought Alabama was a favorite. And now I'm, I've, I've definitely switched my allegiance to Auburn. Yep, that's a, uh, that's a good-looking basketball team with a lot of weapons and a lot of different uh, options out there on the offensive end of the floor. And they play fast with a, with a true identity. And I think that's the other thing about Tennessee is you're sitting here, you know, again, you're just a couple of weeks in the SEC play. There's a lot of basketball left. But if you ask yourself, what's Tennessee's identity on this basketball team? I'm not sure we know the answer to that, Rob. Well, I don't know what their offensive identity is. Their identity is, is defense. But, you know, it didn't – LSU hung 79 on them the other day. That's that's the most they've given up this season. They haven't given 80 to anybody. But um, I'm, I, I could not agree with you more. You're not going to win a, a lot of games playing in the 60s. Yeah, and in that was an old, or any other, not this, not in this day and age. No, and Ole Miss shot forty-four percent against Tennessee, so they put the ball in the basket. They just didn't have a point guard and ended up turning it over twenty-seven times, which is why Tennessee escaped with that win in, a, in an ugly basketball game. All right, let, we'll, we'll have plenty of basketball coverage for you as Tennessee takes on South Carolina tonight. Um, switching over to football, Austin, Tennessee gets a surprise commitment in the transfer portal on Saturday and a key get for Tennessee uh, at the wide receiver position. Your thoughts? Yeah, Tennessee able to pick up uh, Isaiah Nair, the Wyoming transfer, you know, fresh off his visit to USC, uh, things just clicked for Tennessee and him. And, and you know, when I talked to him when he the first day he went in, he told me he was probably going to try to stay back in the state of Texas. Fast forward about five days, you talked to him, Brent, he had admitted he had, you know, he had that mindset originally, but had since changed the mindset to just kind of go with, you know, the place that can fit him best and showcase him best. And that ends up being Tennessee. So Tennessee needed help at wide receiver opposite uh, Cedric Tillman to fill in the voids with uh, 
the loss of Javante Payton and Bayless Jones, and they, they get a, a really nice addition. How does it translate? Who knows? I mean, how does Jared Verse translate from Albany to Florida State? No one will know. You know, I mean, like, that's that, you know, as we get into this, the new era of college football, I'm interested to see how all these kids that are putting up ridiculous numbers at smaller schools, how it translates once they get to a bigger school. That's a great question. And, and it's, let me let me go big top. I didn't have this on my list here, but let me go big topic with that because I think it's a pretty fascinating Wait, discussion. You have a list. Yeah, I do. I got a list. Look, I got, I got I got notes. I got notes. I'm prepared. Um, uh, and both of you jump in here on this one because um, I think it affects all sports. What's If you're a coach, what is – and I know each case is, is different, but how intriguing is a smaller school guy – who has produced a bunch of big numbers to you compared to a two-year guy at a power five school that's had a hard time getting on the field or hasn't produced, hasn't played a ton. I think it's way easier in basketball because even if they are coming from a smaller school, they're going to have, you know, you're going to be able to flip on a tape where they played a bunch of big schools in the non-conference, you know, like, like who's the kid at Alabama from Furman. That's a really good player. I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, I know. I know. I know you're talking about girly. But, is it girly? Yeah, but but what you're saying is those guys have played against that yeah, power five competition a lot. I mean, probably. A lot. You know, if, if they're a junior going transferring as a senior, you know, they probably played 15, 20 games. You know, money games in November, December, where you're going to be able to to have a body of work for them to look at. I don't think it's. I I think it's a lot easier in basketball. But it's not perfect, right? Because Tennessee got the kid from from Sacred Heart. EJ Anasicki? Yeah, who 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 put up a lot of rebounding numbers, but it didn't seem to translate very well in the power five. You think it's easier for a guard, for a guy scoring, Rob, who's a power five guy? I mean, who can who can fill it up that way as opposed to a post player making that adjustment? Shooters shoot, Hubs. Shooters shoot. I think it's a case by case basis. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I don't I don't think you can blanket make a blanket statement about it. Okay. On but, the football. I, I, but I do think. I just, I just think it's a lot easier in basketball, just because of the, you'll be able to have some, a much better scout. But, but on the football side, what, what's, what more intrigues you? When you, when you look at portal guys hopping into portal, are you more intrigued by a guy who's put up a crazy amount of yards in a smaller level, or, or a guy who's played in six games in two years for somebody? Oh man, that's a good question. I think I would be more interested in the kids that put up that put up numbers. You See, know? I'm kind of lean, I'm kind of leaning that way too, particularly at the skill spots. I don't know that it translates into the line of scrimmage as much, but in the skill spots, to me, it's it's really it's really hard for me to overlook a guy who's put up huge numbers. The other thing would be is who's in front of said player at previous school. You know, like when all those running backs were in front of Alvin. You know, it's like nothing to slouch at. But like, if if you're just kind of pedestrian in a position, and former four star recruit X can't get on the field, it's probably not a good sign. It's true. Interesting. I I think that's a I think that's a a, a really from an evaluation standpoint. I, I think that's hard to qual. I think it's a little bit hard to qualify and, and look at some some things like that. I think the other thing too with those smaller schools is. How big is the guy really? What's his size look like? And, and those type of things. I mean, you, you know, you almost wonder if the, the transfer world doesn't uh, doesn't at some point try to incorporate some kind of combine where everybody can just 
evaluate how big a guy is or how much a guy weighs or whatever, because there's, you know, there's just a lot of unknowns with these guys at smaller schools um, that, that, that are going into places. Um, I think the other thing with, with, with transfers too, Rob, is that from a, in terms of recruiting them, you recruit them different because they're looking for something different than, than I, I mean, let's look at the kid from, look at Isaiah from, um, from Wyoming. I mean, he, he was all about going home. And, and I think part of the intrigue with Tennessee was the fact they got a returning quarterback and he's got a compliment receiver on the other side. Whereas at Wyoming, he was over 50% of their passing offense this past year. And I mean, I, I mean, I've, we've all said this before. I, I think after watching them for one year, receivers got to be the easiest position for this staff to recruit and, you know, to be able to bring that kid on campus and, and show him what, three guys did in, in one year, you know, ne- never played in the system before what they did in one year. I mean, here's Cedric Tillman's stats from three years on campus, you know, now <laughs> look at, look at this, this explosion. Here's Beelis Jones, you know, had 200 yards receiving last year. Now look, look what he did for us. And here's, here's how you fit. And, and yeah, I mean, I think with, with kids coming in for, I mean, you know, for the most part of I mean, it, they're not going to go to a place where socially, you know, they, they're miserable or whatever, but I think for the transfers, for the most part, it's all about fit. It's all about football. Well, and and sometimes, guys, it's just – I mean, it's just about a, a new place for kids. I mean, like Bayless, you know, he was a great kick returner at USC, but, like, from a receiving standpoint, didn't do a whole lot and then just gradually got better here. You know, same thing you – know, I mean, like, look at Javante Payton. I mean, what he did at Mississippi State was, you know, peanuts outside of that first game against – you know, LSU a year ago, then he comes up here and he catches half a dozen touchdowns. So, I mean, like, I, I, it, it's easy to write off a kid. So, like, to the to go back to your point, like, those the former four-star that can't get on the field, it's easy to write kid off because he can't get on the field. But sometimes just a new voice and a new location can help a kid. You just never know what kids are battling through. With all that being said and, the, and all that, how hard is it to evaluate the transfer portal? Because of what you're saying. Okay, here's a four-star kid who has played very minimal. You got a short window. You can't go visit him in a lot of cases because he goes in when the dead period starts. He's got to make a decision before the dead period ends. You, you can Zoom with him, but you can't it's, – it's hard, you know, over bowl practice, two holidays to really get to know a guy that way. I mean, how hard is it to evaluate whether a guy's a good fit for you, why he's leaving? Did, did, did he just not get an opportunity? Is he good enough? Or You, you know what I mean? I, I mean – is it unrealistic to accurately evaluate transfer portal guys because you've got such a short window to do it? Don't everybody jump at once. Uh, you uh, know, I, I mean, I, I think it makes staffs they, – they are more hesitant because of that. I mean, like, look at Verse. Like, Rodney wasn't sure on Verse until he went up and saw him in person. You know, so, I mean, I think it, it puts you in a, in a little bit of a tight window there. It makes it harder – um, for schools to maybe pull the, you know, unless it's somebody you knew from the recruiting process coming out of that's high what, school, something like that. Like to me, that's where it, it's different. Like if you don't know the kid, it makes, I think it makes schools a little more hesitant, but we all know college coaches, guys are, you know, and we don't need them until you need them. And then they're the most important thing on the <laughs> earth. Oh, got to have that guy. Got to have it. Go ahead, He's Rob. the key to the success. Well, I was just going to, I was just going to piggyback on AP's point. I think that, guys that you had a previous relationship like Rodney with DeJon Terry or, you know, make it up. I mean, that, that's, those are slam dunks. Those I mean, are I, easy. 
and not, you know, you, you've been around the kid, you've known him. And I, I, I bet there's a lot of that. Yeah. You know, I mean, not, not, not everybody, but I bet there's a lot of that, that, that happens in college in, in, in the portal. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm sure there is plenty of those things going on and there, there has to be plenty of that. All right. Let's talk about um, the, the portal AP. What's next? Tennessee's still looking for an offensive lineman. Uh, everybody wants to know about defensive guys, AP. What, what's the story on, on some defensive guys? Where's Tennessee? Do they, are they waiting on more people to go into the portal, which is what Jason Swain suggested on his morning show um, on, on Monday um, when he said some back-channel conversations were taking place with a bunch of defensive guys out there? I mean, is, it, is Tennessee waiting on more people to go in? Well, I think there's back-channel conversations going on all across college football. Oh, no you know, And I think that's part of the problem, you know, because it, it, somebody's always in somebody's ear. Um, you know, but kids, because there's so many kids in the portal, kids that aren't in the portal that would like to at least look at it, want to know they have a spot before they go in. They don't want to go into the, you know, Bermuda Triangle and never be seen again. So, I mean, like, you know, I, I think that's there's a fear there amongst certain kids that, like, they can get stuck in there and end up in a worse place than they currently are. Grass isn't always greener. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, I, I think, you know, I think we've had this transfer portal stuff as as well as anybody um, based off the fact that, like, you know, we've, we've reported on very few names because Tennessee's just not, you know, swung at very many names. I mean, like, they're, they're wanting the right fit. They don't want to just take anybody. And they're looking for, you know, certain things that, that fit into the culture here. So, you know, I think there are some guys out there that potentially could go into portal that Tennessee would have interest in. You, you start hearing names, you know, a week or two before they actually go in. But, you know, sometimes kids don't ever actually make it in, you know. Yeah. And so, I mean, kids change their mind all the time. Look at uh, look at, look at at Tank Bigsby at Auburn. He was going in until Auburn said, hey, we got an NIL deal for you. <laughs> now he's back. <laughs> you know. Which is another layer of the equation in the transfer sure. portal. I mean, you know, it, it's, you know, you're sitting here and you're at one place and you're being productive and that place doesn't have anything for you. You know, when in a potential transfer place has got some NIL opportunities for you, that only adds that that only adds to that. I mean, that's it, just that's part of of what you're dealing with in, in college football. So, yes, d- defensively, a- AP, are, are we thinking linebacker, corner, defensive end? Would they go yeah, would, I, all three? I'm thinking, I'm thinking a defensive lineman, a linebacker, a couple guys in the secondary. And then on the offensive side, offensive tackle, and they would take and a running back. back. Okay. Yep. So potentially, we'll see if they go five or six more um, in in the in the transfer portal. We'll see what happens with Tennessee in terms of official visitors on the high school front as well. With the dead period getting ready to get lifted, seems like it's going to be hard on the high school front out there. Uh, I, I just it doesn't. Well, just I mean, not many guys. I mean, like yeah. you know, I'm on Moden. I mean, like. That feels all like Miami. That's got all well, the Miami feels well, in the world. his brother played at Miami. I mean, like, listen, man. They get the last visit. They got a new coach who's a defensive coach. I mean. That's right. Tennessee's done as well as they could do in that one. Like, Rodney's got them deep in it. But at the end of the day, like, you know, staying at home, playing where your brother played, you know, mama having a 30-minute drive to watch you play versus a flight. I mean, like, all that ways. So, um, we'll see about Jason Jenkins, uh, the kid from – up in New Jersey, you know, I mean, he's going to come in the end of the month. You know, where does, does Tennessee like him enough to go on him? I mean, they've offered, they're going to bring him in for a visit, but that don't mean they're going to, you know, 
be willing to take it, you know, if it gets here. So, you know, we'll see where all this stuff plays out. But, you know, the high school front, you're right. I mean, it just doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of traction with a lot of kids because most of the kids sign and then the ones that didn't, um, you know, it's going to be a thrill a minute. Which makes the, the next few days, the next week and a half or so, all important on the transfer front. And then the end of the month will be all about uh, juniors, getting them on campus. How many guys can you get in their high schools? Um, go by and see their coach and, and start paving the, the way with relationships and the sophomores and juniors that Tennessee's out there recruiting, which would be uh, the class of 23 and the class of 24, which will be a priority uh, for the volunteers and this coaching staff coming up um, when the dead period is lifted here in a, in a few more days and Tennessee can get back out on the road. We'll continue to track anything and everything we can in the transfer portal, high school front as well on the recruiting front. And we'll continue to follow this Tennessee basketball team as well. Hey, out the door, how cool was it to see Jawan? And no offense to the Saints, because I know it cost him a playoff spot. But how cool was the the Jawan Jennings production on on sun on Sunday for you guys? I mean, just Happy to see. To, I mean, for that story to see where he's come from, you know how bad that thing and how glim it looked, and and then I, I just I thought it was really cool to to see um, kind of where he's at. He's had a solid year, but. Um, it was cool to see that Tennessee's wide receivers <laughs> didn't have anybody. Maybe they're good wide receivers because they didn't have anybody throw it to them while they were here. Uh, but they've been awfully productive in the National Football League. When you Josh, look at Josh Palmer could be played a long time. Yeah, Palmer's had a really nice year for the Chargers. Had, had a big game in that uh, overtime loss to, to the Raiders. And then, obviously, Jawan Jennings with, with a huge day for the, for the 49ers. In, any any truth to the rumor that Jawan had Brady Hoke on his, on his cleats like uh, <laughs> Stephon Diggs had Betty White? <laughs> No? Okay. Oh, no, I don't think so. I'm not sure there's been um, Brady Hoke. The only interim guy who threw somebody off a football team. It's one of the more remarkable storylines that we've followed in our time covering the University of Tennessee. Which Luckily, he just threw him off of the defensive, uh, the defensive <laughs> linebacker meetings. <laughs> Yeah, he almost was a linebacker, according to the, according to the, head, the former head coach. He went to All meetings. Right. He went to meetings, right? All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Smoky Mountain Organic .com podcast. For Austin and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hugs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the Ball Quest podcast every week here on Ball Quest.